Good morning. Welcome, church. If you would stand, we're going to worship the Lord together. If you're able, feel free to stay seated if you would prefer. I'm just going to open us in a quick word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather in your presence. We are grateful. Lord, I just ask that you would meet us here in this space as we gather, even though we know that you're everywhere. Sometimes our awareness of you fluctuates. So I ask, God, that you would just reveal yourself in a fresh way, that your presence would be made known to us, that we would be aware, that our eyes would be fixed on you. God, that we would seek your face, not just your hands and your gifts and the things that you give us, but you. That's why we're here. So, Lord, I just believe the promise that you inhabit the praises of your people. So we lift our praises and offering to you with the expectation to meet you here in a special way in community with our brothers and sisters. Amen. Let's worship him this morning. And in your presence 
Christ, we are made whole. And in your presence, there is freedom. And in your presence, we are made whole. All we want and all we need is found in you. Every victory is found in you, it's found in you. All we want and all we need is found in you, it's found in you, Jesus. Every is God's spirit that opens our eyes. Amen. He gives us a greater glimpse of himself. Every time we come, he's faithful to do that. I'm going to read this call to worship for you. It's from Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. It says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ." with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. We believe and we worship you this morning, God. with us all to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily
learning it, just taking an opportunity to just let us sing over you, to meditate on the truths that we're singing about. Take those opportunities when you feel like there's a part that you know, jump in there. And just to know that when we have spaces, like musical spaces, sometimes there'll be like an instrumental. And so I was thinking about this during rehearsal, and I just wanted to say, because maybe you guys are like, why are we just standing here and the band's playing music? So this is a great, beautiful opportunity for you to just take a breath to think about what we're saying. You can pray in those moments. You can sing in your own words. It doesn't have to be out loud. It's just an opportunity to pause and to think about everything that we're singing. There's a lot. And if we just keep going, sometimes it takes a, we don't quite catch up. We're just moving and moving. So it's good to have those moments. I love to have those moments with the music playing and the band and their beautiful instruments, just ushering us into God's presence and just taking those times to just gaze at him and to have an opportunity in your own words, I don't necessarily mean verbal words, but just in your own heart to worship God, like for yourself, like not just in a scripted way, if that makes sense. So I just wanted to encourage you to, to like look for those opportunities and just embrace those times if you can, if you want to. I think it's a great um, just opportunity. So uh, as we go into this song, that's... I'm calling 
on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for me. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages. I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness, God. I'm calling on the God of Mary, whose favor rests upon the lowly. With you all things are possible. I'm calling on the God of David, who made a shepherd boy courageous. I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now, how I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. Oh God, my God, I need you, oh God, my God, I need you. Healer, then 
be seated. As we remain in an attitude of worship and even response this morning, um, as I was thinking about our time of corporate prayer, uh, we are coming together as one body, uh, which has been the theme of, of this series in Ephesians and certainly is going to carry through today. I thought it would be appropriate for us to come together as one body, as one people, united in one spirit, the same God. Uh, And I thought it would be appropriate for us to kind of exercise or practice uh, praying through the Lord's Prayer, which is something that Nikki has been guiding us through over the past few weeks. And if you're confused about what I mean over the past few weeks, of course, she preached a wonderful message two weeks ago on the Lord's Prayer and kind of the practicalities of praying through the Lord's Prayer. And then this last Wednesday, we had our first uh, Wednesday night of prayer. We do that every first Wednesday of the month, and she actually led that time, and we prayed through the Lord's Prayer together. Uh, and also kind of individually reflecting and responding. It was really beautiful. And so I just want to continue doing that. And so I'm going to use this prayer guide. If you have it, uh, she passed out those bookmarks, and I think there's still some in the foyer. And I'm going to use that to guide us through our time of prayer. And so my invitation for you is to come before the Lord this morning with your hearts open. Hopefully your heart is open to the Lord Remain open to him and what it is that he wants to teach you or say to you as we think about how Jesus taught us to pray. As we pray in the way that Jesus taught us, we are praying the same prayer that Jesus prayed, that he taught his disciples to pray. It was good enough for them. It is good enough for us. And so as we pray through this prayer, be open to God. Be open to what he wants to say to you. And come before him this morning completely transparent, laying down the burdens that you carried in with you this morning. 
and allow him to strengthen and nourish your soul because friends, he is faithful to nourish and strengthen us. So let's pray together this morning. God, we come before you together as one, one body, but we also come representing our hearts. We all come from different places and we're all in different places this morning as we come before you, but together, God, together, we rest in this moment and we pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray, pausing to reflect on what each part means for us. Our Father in heaven, God, we pause and we, we approach you this morning with humility. We are, are, are so humble, so aware of, of just how incapable we are of providing, of, of doing what we need to do, of being where we need to be. And so God, we approach you this morning with humble hearts, aware of, of how desperate we are for you. And, and we come before you recognizing how great you are God, we come before you humbly, but we also come before you desiring to know you better. I hope it's our prayer, God, that, that we all desire to know you better, to know you more intimately, God. God, you created us and you see us, you know us, you love us, you desire deep, intimate relationships with us, and I pray that we would be seeking that as well. Hallowed be your name. God, we pray that your name this morning would be recognized as holy. We pray that we would recognize that in, my, in our hearts. But God, we pray for those who have yet to recognize your holiness, your greatness. God, may your kingdom come and your will be done. God, this morning we intentionally submit to the way that you rule in your kingdom. May we take our cues from King Jesus himself. May we pay close attention to the words that Jesus said anytime he announced that the coming of God, the coming of the kingdom of God is near, it's at hand. May we take notice May we take our cues from him. And God, may you continue to bring about your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. God, humbly and recognizing how great and holy you are, we submit to your way. God, we invite you to have your way here and now, even if it's completely different from our way. May we be willing to lay down our idea of church, our idea of Christianity, our idea of kingdom living, and may we take up your kingdom, the ways that you go about bringing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. May we not be a disruption to the beautiful 
thing that you are doing here and now. God, we pray that your kingdom come and that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, God, we know that you are already moving, you're already working, that, God, your kingdom has come and it is coming. And so, God, we pray, we we desire for more of heaven, of your kingdom to invade more of our space here on earth. God, may we look around and may we see glimpses of the kingdom, even if they are as tiny as a mustard seed. May we see glimpses of your kingdom making its way here and now, and may it give us hope, God. May it give us a vision for what you are already doing. God, may we retire this idea that you're waiting until a specific time period to to come and meet us here on earth. But God, you have already been doing it. You're doing it now. May we be able to recognize it. May we look around this world and, and may we care. God, would you give us a deep desire that we would look around and care about what's happening because, God, you are doing a new thing. You're making all things new. And we don't always understand that fully. We don't always know exactly what that entails. But, God, it is true, and may we believe it. May we live each day knowing that you are doing something beautiful already. God, we pray that you would give us today our daily bread. I know so many of us brought needs into this place. Likely every person here, every person who is watching this morning, we have needs, God. We are aware of of what we lack. Some of us are filled with, with anxiety and fear and worry about all that we do not have. God, we take this moment to fully depend on you, trusting in your provision. God, we trust that you will provide us exactly what we need at exactly the right moment. God, may we remember that what you have given us doesn't really belong to us, that it's, it's all yours, and that you have called us to be faithful with what you have given us. So God, may you help us to use what we have to be a blessing to others. May we remain open to the ways that you are calling us to be a blessing to others, God. But may we also be aware and open to to the fact that you may be calling someone else to be a blessing to us, may we be willing and capable of receiving that blessing with your help. God, we pray this morning that you would forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We come before you this morning, God, fully aware of the ways in which we have fallen, the ways in which we have harmed others, the ways in which we have hurt others. But God, if we're not aware, we pray that your Holy Spirit 
would bring those things to mind. God, may we seek restoration and reconciliation and forgiveness from you. And may we seek that from those whom we've hurt. For those who have been hurt, God, would you help us to be able to forgive those who have hurt us, those who have sinned against us. May we release that, God. We give up our right to hold on to those grudges. We, we give up any desire to seek retribution, God. We give that to you. And instead, God, would you help us to be as forgiving as you forgive us. And finally, we pray, God, that you would lead us not into temptation, but that you would deliver us from evil. We recognize, God, that there is certainly evil at work in our world. We don't have to look very far before we are so aware. We recognize that. We think of our brothers and sisters in other countries this morning who are experiencing evil in a way that we will never understand. God, we continue to remember our Ukrainian brothers and sisters. God, we continue to remember our Russian brothers and sisters. We hold them before you today. God, we pray for Israel and all that is unfolding there. All the chaos, the, the, the uptick and turmoil that they are experiencing. God, we hold them closely and we lift them up to you today. It's an evil that we can't begin to comprehend or understand, but God, we know that, that you are there. God, we don't really understand how that works. We confess that, that when we read and, and watch these tragedies unfold, it's, it's really difficult. And yet we continue to trust, God, that you are faithful, that you are going to be near to those who are persecuted. You're going to draw near to those who are hurting to those who are poor in spirit, God, to those who, who are, are witnessing all of this and just experiencing such grief. God, you will be near to them. May they feel your presence in such an overwhelming and powerful way. God, in the midst of, of all the evil that we experience and witness in this world, we pray that by your grace that you would deliver us. And we trust in the promise of Jesus when he said that the gates of hell will not prevail. We stand on those promises today. We, we walk in the truth of those promises that even though it looks hopeless, even though it seems like all hope is lost, God, we trust, we remember that you are greater, you are stronger, you are more powerful. Greater is, is you, God, who is in us than, than he, than the evil that is in the world. And so we hold to that. 
We hold to that, God. But we continue to remember those who are hurting and grieving loss today. God, we thank you for drawing near to us in our time of need, in our time of seeking you. I'm going to pray, God, that you would continue to speak to us through your word, that it may be helpful and useful for building us up today, for teaching us. God, help us to be open. May we have ears to hear your word for your people today. And we thank you, God, for your presence which is in our midst, making all things new, even here, even now. And we pray all of this in the powerful, mighty, capable name of King Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you, Dave. Uh, just wanted to take this opportunity to remind you all, um, I know that Sometimes not everybody is in here for the announcements. Um, by the way, thank you, Nikki, for always putting together those great videos. Um, I really appreciate Nikki putting together those announcement videos. It's kind of tedious work every single week that she does to keep up with the changing announcements. And so just know that that's playing at 1030. And so that's happening. If you're kind of out of the loop as to what's going on, we have a really well put together announcement video that will keep you informed if you're here. So uh, if, you didn't, if you did miss it, though, I want to remind you that next week we're having our sack lunch Sunday. Uh, so we're inviting everyone to hang out after church. We're going to gather around the table and share a meal together. And that meal is whatever you choose. So whatever you bring, whatever you order, whatever you go pick up, go grab and come back, uh, whatever you want it to be, that's up to you. But we will bring our sack lunches. There's refrigerators and kitchen space available if you need to utilize that. Uh, but we're looking forward to that time of fellowship. And we're just going to kind of continue to to heap the fellowship opportunities on you all, because then shortly after, on the 20th, we're going to have a fall fellowship at Burl and Judy Hand's house. And uh, I hope that you will be there. If, if you are able, I hope that you will be there. We do really need you to sign up, though. So there is a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Um, we have the Miley's who are graciously going to be providing our food for that evening, and we want to give them an accurate uh, number of how much to provide for. So if you are able to come, which we hope you are, then please let us know by signing your family up so we know how much to prepare. Uh, but we're looking forward to these times of fellowship as we welcome in the autumn season. Uh, I know not everyone is as excited about that as me, but you're in my thoughts and prayers. Just know that, Karen Dissett. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to continue in our series this morning in the book of Ephesians. I think we're about halfway there, just in case if it's not your, your favorite series, just know that we're about halfway there. So uh, we're going to be finishing with that uh, before you know it. But this part of the series today kind of marks the halfway point. It certainly does in Paul's letter anyways. Uh, he has reached this point where he uh, is starting to switch gears a little bit. He, If you've been here, and I'm not going to kind of go into this a whole lot because we've kind of repeated a lot of the same things every week uh, for the past several weeks, but but Paul is is somewhat switching gears in this pivotal moment as he is 
reminding us of all the truth that he has laid out for us, this foundation that he has been working to build, working to lay out for us, reminding us who we are in Christ. Remember, he was speaking to a a largely Gentile audience, reminding them of their privileges, of their rights as the children of God. And he's building on this, now that you know who you are in Christ, now that you know who you are in God, here's what you are to do. I don't know if you remember this, but going way back to the very first week, I shared with you uh, this helpful uh, way of looking at this first section of Ephesians that was uh, given, that I learned from a Christian uh, Chinese leader, teacher, author, uh, Watchman Nee, and he talked about how this first part of Ephesians is this moment where we are sitting. Do you remember that? that we can't walk, we can't stand, we can't move, we can't do anything before we have, have completely allowed ourselves to sit in our knownness, right? You have to first sit in your identity, sit in your knownness. You have to rest in your knownness, in your belovedness, if you will, before you can go on to live as, as, and walk as God is calling us to walk, and so uh, I, I love that now we're going to be switching gears to, to the walking portion. So now that we have been sitting in, our, in this reality of our knownness, our belovedness, we're now going to transition into what it looks like to walk in this way that we have been called to walk. And so I'll share with you what Watchman Nee says about the walking part. I know that's a lot and it's kind of hard to read, so I'll try to go slowly because this is really good. He says, though the Christian life begins with sitting, sitting is always followed by walking. It's always followed by walking. When once we have been well and truly seated and have found our strength in sitting down, then we do in fact begin to walk. Sitting describes our position with Christ in the heavenlies. But walking is the practical outworking of the heavenly position here on earth. I love that second part. Did you catch that? Sitting describes our position with Christ in the heavenlies. It's what we've been talking about the past several weeks. And walking is the practical outworking of that heavenly position here on earth. We're faithfully inviting others to experience this knownness, this belovedness. And so with that in mind, as we transition to, to a time of, of, of taking in, of, of learning what it looks like to walk in this way, I'm going to invite you to stand. So we're not sitting, we're not walking, but we're going to stand. And we're going to read this somewhat lengthy passage. So hang in there. Don't fall asleep. Hang in there. Uh, we're going to be reading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. I'll try to kind of not rush through it so you can really take it all in. There's a lot there. So Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to walk worthy or to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. All right, that was a lot. Uh, Don't worry, I, I, I feel very confident in my Uh, my ability to condense this down into a sermon that is not 45 minutes long. And hopefully I didn't just like totally end it for myself by saying that, but but don't freak out. I know that was a lot, and there is a lot that that we could say that we won't get to, but I trust that the Lord uh, does have a a word for us. And it's a hard one, I'm not going to lie, like I'll prepare you for it. This, you may have picked up on some things in there that a a pastor feels obligated to lean into a little bit. So just brace yourselves and remain in a posture of openness to the Holy Spirit, whose guidance I sought greatly this week, as I, as I always do, but especially uh, with this heavy word. Uh, let's kind of ease into it, though, right? You notice that Paul says, therefore, and just a reminder that this is a hinge word because this word that he is about to share in this letter, he is acknowledging that all that has been said, all that has been taught, it now informs what's next, right? Like you have to take everything that you have been taught, everything that I have shared with you about God, about Jesus and your position in Christ Now it's going to beg a response from you. Now you're going to make a decision. You're going to make a choice. Are you going to walk in this way as a child of God or aren't you? I really liked how I read from someone this week that up until now, Paul has been exalting God, but now he is exhorting readers. Not extorting. (laughs) I worked really hard to make sure I didn't say he's extorting readers. He's been exalting God, and now he is exhorting his readers. You also may notice that at the beginning, I made that distinction as we read that wasn't necessarily indicated on the screen, but, but this life, when Paul says that we are called to live a life worthy of our calling, I also inserted to walk in this way. And that is because that original Greek word that is used indicates 
to walk, to conduct your life, or to live. And so all these things are true and faithful and helpful to the original meaning of what Paul was trying to say, but I didn't want us to lose sight of that word walk. It's kind of important as we're building um, the foundation here, as we continue to build upon that foundation, this idea of walking that implies movement and implies intentionality, that's an important image, and I don't want us to lose that. You should know, though, that, that that does mean the same as I live in this way. This is how I live. But my fear with just using the word live is that we would all probably say, well, I'm living in this way, and maybe there's not much intentionality. Maybe there's not a lot of thought put into it. But I really don't want to lose this image of, of walking, which takes intentionality. You have to make a conscious effort as you, as you remember who you are in Christ, and now this is how you are called to live. I also really like that the word walk implies that, that we're on a journey, right? That's one of the things I love about the word walk is I love to picture what we're seeing along the way, where we're going, where we're at on the journey. So this word walk implies a journey, and friends, we are on a journey. It's a long journey at times, this life. Right? Like this life is a long, hard, difficult road, but we are on a journey together. We don't walk alone. That's an important part that I don't want to abandon throughout this series because I think it's so crucial. If you read the, the weekly newsletters that I send out to you every Thursday, I, I usually sign off by saying, journeying together. And I do that intentionally because it's not lost on me that, that I am I'm journeying on this Christian walk. I'm, I'm walking this, at times, really hard road, very joyful and exciting at times. Don't get me wrong, but at times it's really difficult. But I think of you all. I truly do think of every single one of you. And I think when I'm signing off that, man, it's so comforting to know that I don't journey alone. That as I try to do these things that I have just typed to you, written about in these newsletters, as I'm sorting out these things that I'm kind of sorting out with all of you, it brings me comfort to know that I'm not journeying alone. I'm not, I hope I'm not dragging you along with me, but we're journeying together. And so I want you to keep that image, and that's why I say journeying together. We are on this journey, and each day, I hope, we're making steps each day we're making steps. Each day is an invitation as the Apostle Paul is, is laying before us. Each day is an invitation to walk well, to walk faithfully, and to walk worthily. Walk worthily in this walk, in this life, to, in this calling to which you have been called. And so the question is, one of the questions that I, that I want us to explore today is, are we walking in this way? Are we responding to this invitation to walk each day intentionally, to walk well, to walk faithfully and worthily? We've been called, right? You've all been called, just so you know. You've all been called to walk in a very specific way. You've all been called to participate. And so the question that we need to start with is, are we, are we doing that? Are we really intentionally doing that? Are we walking in a way that is worthy. And maybe before we can really fully answer that question, we need to, uh, to explore what it means to walk in a way that is intentional and walk in ways that are faithful and walk in ways that are, are worthy. 
right? Maybe we need to sort out what does it mean to walk in a, in a worthily way as Paul is, is inviting us. And I think part of, of what it means to walk in a worthily way is, is what he says at the beginning. You can just go back to the passage, the beginning, and work your way down. And he lays it out for us. But we don't want to miss it because I think it's incredibly important. He, he says right at the beginning to, to walk humbly and gently, right? This is a friendly reminder for us that as we journey together, because we're not doing this alone. If you're doing this alone, you're doing it the wrong way. <laughs> I can't tell you anything else about what you're maybe doing wrong. All I can tell you is if you're doing it alone, you're doing it in the wrong way. You're not doing it in the way that you were designed to to walk or to journey through this, this Christian life. And so as we walk together then, Paul says, remember to, to walk humbly and walk gently. Humble yourselves. Always remain humble. Always humble yourselves. Don't think higher of yourselves than you ought Remember what you are capable of. For those who were there Wednesday night, a little, if you know, you know, right? Save us, Lord, from ourselves. <laughs> save us from ourselves. Part of what we're praying in the Lord's Prayer is save us from ourselves, because we know what we're capable of. So walk humbly, aware of, of your own shortcomings, of, of, of how you fall short. Paul says, com- walk completely humble and gentle, be patient with one another as we're journeying together. I think about like family vacations that we have taken with our kids over the years as they start out as little ones that are really hard to wrangle sometimes and you just have to be patient. You don't want to destroy the whole trip by getting mad and losing your temper and just being like, oh, this is not worth it because there's good things to experience, right? You don't just abandon a trip with your family because it's difficult and frustrating and hard, but instead you have to be patient and work through those difficult moments, and then we're going to get to where we're going. The destination is, is worth all of those little difficult moments and frustration. So Paul's inviting us, be patient with one another. Recognize that, this is important, recognize that you are all in different places on this journey. You're not all in the same place. Maybe some of us are, but not all of us. We're all in different places on this journey. And so we endure with one another. And we don't just endure one another. We endure with one another. We bear with one another in love as we journey. And I think implied here is to resist dissension, resist discord. Don't look to aggravate or assume the worst in one another. But instead, the invitation for us as we journey together is to make every effort to restore peace, to keep peace, to work for the peace and unity of the body. Because as Paul says, he said it like a hundred times, we are one. Did you catch that? Did did you catch the repetition? (laughs) We are one. He said it 100 times. We are one. We, we are one body. We serve one God. We were baptized in one baptism. There is one Lord over all. We are one. See, for Paul, I really want you to understand this. I'm convinced that for Paul, there was no other option than to journey and to walk this walk together. Paul did not have, I'm convinced, <laughs> Paul did not have an imagination for, but if it's really hard, just you and Jesus, it's fine, right? Like, you don't need all of them to be a Christian. You can still get to heaven with just you and Jesus. Paul wouldn't have even had an imagination for that. I think if somebody would have asked him that question, he would have been completely confused. Like, what are you talking about? There's not even, 
room to entertain this idea. For Paul, there was no other option. To walk in the way of Jesus implied that we're walking this way together. So you better figure out how to make it work. That's what I imagine Paul saying. It's like the, the person in the marriage. I'm just throwing that out there. Maybe I should think about it a little more, but I, that's what it reminds me of. Like, you make those decisions to continue on, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. You, you decide we're not giving up on this. We got to figure out how to, how to make this work because this is it. We're doing this together. And it's very similar, right? God has called us to this faithfulness together. We refuse to walk this journey isolated and alone. If you're feeling tempted to isolate yourself from other Christians because it's just too hard, because they're just too messed up, and they're just too this, or they're just too that, or they're too hypocritical, understand that that is a lie from the enemy, that you don't need them, that you're better off without them, because friends, we do need one another on this journey. So I just appreciate Paul here where he's like, I don't have an imagination for it. There is no plan B. Figure out how to make it work. And I'm telling you, this is how you can make it work. Walking in a worthily manner. This is just one of those little nuggets that I want you to hold on to. This first little section that Paul is saying, that Paul is, is telling us, walking in a worthily manner means that we are walking in unity together with one another because we only walk this journey together. I think that's crucial before we can even move on to the next part. And so we get to verses 7 through 10, and, and I debated, like, do I even go there? Because there's so much there. I mean, it can be a little confusing, overwhelming, because I don't know if you noticed this. If you looked at the footnote in your Bible, you'll, you'll realize that Paul is actually quoting one verse from Psalm 68, and if you compared it to the original Psalm 68, it, he even tweaks it a little bit. So it's like, Paul, what are you doing? These are my moments where I have to be patient with Paul, because I'm like, are we just supposed to read your mind and know what you're doing when you quote this one verse and then change it a little bit? And, and so you have to kind of be patient with Paul sometimes. But, and as you can imagine, as I like went to, to study and learn more about what is Paul doing here? What is he trying to say? Lots of different scholars have, have many different ideas with, as to what Paul is doing here, right? And so you can imagine that there are a number of meanings or implications. This is just one of many. But I really appreciate one scholar, Lynn Kohick, who I've strongly leaned on throughout this series. She's, in my mind, really brilliant with her scholarship. But she talks about how, how in this moment, Paul perhaps echoes this idea that the descent is, is acknowledging the incarnation of Christ, right? That when he came, he descended, descended from the throne, he came here, he took on human flesh, right? He moved into the neighborhood, he stooped low, he got his hands dirty, he discovered what it meant to take on human flesh, he, he descended certainly, but then he ascended, right? And then perhaps this is pointing to Christ's exaltation, which we know, we're aware of, but, but in this moment, perhaps Paul is, is 
is telling us of, or reminding us rather of this all-encompassing victory of Christ, that he experienced victory in heaven, he experienced it on earth through his life, death, and resurrection and ascension. And so there is no place in the world where Jesus hasn't come and, and conquered. And so he's experienced victory in a number of ways. He's above all rulers, all authorities, all powers. He's seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms. And so Christ, echoed by Paul here, seeks to fill and empower us so that we might live in the fullness of him. It's a lot, right? But I think what Paul is saying is there's no place that Christ hasn't been. There is no place where he has not dwelled, and he is victorious and Lord over all. We see that in, in his being God, a part of the triune Godhead, but we also saw the ways that he demonstrated his, his lordship, his kingship, as he lived and took on human flesh and lived among us. There is a lot to take in when you think of the fullness of Christ. And I know that probably I just kind of made that even more complicated for us by going into it. But I think that Paul is okay with this, with this overwhelming kind of encapsulating idea that there is so much more to the fullness of Christ that we could ever know or comprehend. And yet, that's a hinge word, yet there is something that Christ seeks to do in the midst of all of this. He seeks to fill us with more of himself. As Paul said in Ephesians 1, for the sake of God's world, that he might reconcile humanity to himself and that he might bring unity to all things. That Jesus is fully capable of doing that and he seeks to fill us with more of himself. Stay with me, this is important, I promise. But you might ask, well, why is that important? What does that have to do with this idea of walking? That we're talking about. And here's why I think it's important, and here's how I think it all fits together, at least in one way. We move on to verse 11, where Paul says this word, so, and I really imagine that word being emphasized. In my mind, it's emphasized, so. <laughs> he just went through all this, this theological, like, here's the reality of, of Christ's victory, of his all-encompassing power, right? And he seeks to give you more of himself, to fill you with more of himself, so that you may be found in the fullness of Christ. And so, and so he gave us, Paul says, Christ gave himself to the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body might be built up. Here's what you need to understand about what Paul is saying. It's important to understand what Paul is not saying in this moment. And, and this, is, this is the time in the sermon. I use this image often of when I came and sat down here. There are certain moments where you just need to take a seat, humble myself, right? What Paul is not saying here is that Christ gave the work of the building up of the body to the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Did you catch that? He didn't give the work to them. Like, here you go. You select five groups of people, get to build up the body. But, but he gave himself to these prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the body so that they, so that we, so that you, the body of Christ, would be built up. In other words... 
and I say this from the most humble place, the work of the building up of the body, the work that it takes to mature a believer, a follower of Jesus, or even a body of believers does not fall solely on the pastor. I'm going to tell you right now, I will not live up to that. I can't. Like, it's, it's physically impossible for me to live up to that. And I'm not even pretending that anyone thinks that I should. But it's just a friendly reminder for you that the work of building up the entire body does not rest on my shoulders. It can't. It doesn't rest on the shoulders of, of the staff or the board, or a few key leaders in the church. But what's being implied here is that all participate, that all grow up and mature, and that all work for the good and the building up of the body. It's implied here that every single follower of Jesus plays a role. And you don't just play a role like in your own personal life. You play a role, you're called to play a role that builds up the body that contributes to the growth and the maturity of the body. No one is excluded from this call. And we're in trouble if we think that the building and maturing of a body, seeing it flourish and grow and to be fruitful, it, we're in trouble if we think that, oh, well, the pastor does that or, or the board does that or these few key leaders who are always around, they do that and I just get to show up and participate as much or as little as I want to. Paul is, it does not have an imagination for that either. See, not only do we walk in a way that is worthy of our calling by walking together, by journeying together, we walk in a way that is worthy of our calling through our participation. Because part of walking together implies that we're all working together. We're not just journeying together, and journeying means like, those beautiful moments where you're gathered around a table sipping coffee and just talking about how good and amazing God is. That's great, and we need those moments. Ooh, those moments give me life, okay? That gives me life. But journeying together also implies like we do the hard, unbearable work of carrying the load of, of, of ministry, of seeing this ministry flourish, of seeing people out there come to know Jesus. We bear that burden together. We're all burdened by that. And that's what Paul is, is inviting us to kind of have that imagination. And so I love how Lynn Kohick says this about what we're talking about. She said, this theory then, kind of what I just laid out to you, presents the church structure as less hierarchical and the emphasis falls on the priesthood of all believers. Right? That she just said eloquently the, the messy thing that I just tried to say. That this takes away any kind of hierarchy that the pastor is the most important person. And, 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 you know, we see this fall apart when a pastor leaves a church and then everybody's like, oh no, what do we do? What do we do? We don't know what to do. What was the pastor doing? What was, like, we have to stop everything and wait for a new pastor to come and cast a new vision and lay new groundwork and, and then we'll know what to do. Ooh, I'm afraid that's just one, uh, one, disaster, I guess, sometimes. In some cases, it can be a disaster that we see from not walking in the way and in this imagination that Paul has for Christians. That, that ideally, a pastor should be able to leave a church, and while, yes, you 
You long for a shepherd, somebody that can shepherd and, and care for and minister and encourage and, and pray over and lead with vision a congregation. But ideally, when a pastor leaves, the congregation doesn't freak out. They can carry on everything that was already going on because they know that it doesn't rely solely on the pastor. That's one little aspect of what we're talking about here. And I think that, as I said a moment ago, that similar to not having an imagination for journeying alone, Paul would not have had a concept for people who didn't participate in the building up of the body. At the very least, I think I can say he would have highly discouraged it. But regardless, I want to remind you that church is not a spectator sport. This is hard. I'm aware of it. I should have warned you to, like, cover up your toes and pull them up underneath your seat or something so that they didn't get stepped on. I feel this. It's weighty. It's heavy. And I just like to deliver the good and happy and hopeful news. But, but from time to time, I do feel this incredible burden to remind all of us that this is not a spectator sport. That the idea is not for you to just show up as much or as little as you want and consume what you want and then complain about what you didn't like and, and, and you know, score us poorly on this because it just didn't really do much for you. But the idea is that we all show up and all participate and we all do the work that it takes to see this body flourish and thrive and grow and become fruitful and effective. And I'm here to tell you that that only happens when we all do our part. Until you use the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you. You've all been given very specific gifts that are useful for building up the body of Christ, that are useful for seeing this body flourish and thrive and become effective. And until you utilize your gifts in this way, we suffer because all are necessary. Each part does its work. It's part of what it means to grow up and mature in the church, in this family, in this body. It's, it's part of what it means. I am really just coming in with all of the family metaphors today. It's again like, you know, when you have a teenager that's on the brink of needing more responsibility and you can tell like, oh, we did not give you enough responsibility early enough and now you're kind of struggling. You're a little immature and I'm not speaking from personal experience in case it comes up later, okay? I'm, I'm saying that collectively, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, we can acknowledge as parents that you notice that, that point. If, if you're a parent, you notice this point where, where your child is needing to grow up a little bit and become mature. And part of growing up and maturing means taking on responsibilities and doing things. I find a similar Meaning here that part of growing up and maturing in the way that Paul expects, like... Paul's like, it's only natural that you're going to grow up and mature in this way. And so in order for you to fully mature and grow up and, and live uh, in the way that, that Christ originally designed, it implies that you're participating, that you're doing your part. You're contributing to the growth, to the building up of the body. <laughs> so I uh, got these out of order, which I realized earlier. So he says, walking in a worthily manner, or one of the other concepts that we're taking here, walking in a worthily manner means participating in the life of the church 
because each one doing their part is necessary for growth. And if I didn't make it abundantly clear, I am aware of how unpopular this sermon might be. I'm aware. It's hard. And so let me offer you a little bit of Eugene Peterson, because he just makes everything fall, like, so smoothly, and it just, like, it's just so beautiful how he speaks and how he, how he sums certain things up. And, and I re- he really spoke to me this week as I was reading through, um, through one of his books on Ephesians. He says, showing up in the church on this earth and in our history doesn't guarantee that we will live attentively to the full revelation of God in our lives and understand everything we are and do. I want to read that again. Just showing up to church, check, right? Perfect attendance, check. Just showing up to church on this earth doesn't guarantee that you are going to live attentively to the full revelation of God. In other words, listen, I want you to be here, whether you're, you know, participating or not. Like, I'm still happy to see you. But the fear is that you just showing up to church because it's a duty or an obligation or something that you're trying to check off the box or the list. I'm afraid that you are going to miss some of the ways that that God is moving and revealing himself. And just showing up to church isn't necessarily going to guarantee, as, as Peterson says, this this full revelation of God, understanding all that you are and that he's called you to do. He says, gifts by the very nature of being gifts can be freely received or rejected. There's no coercion coercion in a gift. So Paul, this is really beautiful that when you think about what Paul is doing here and how Paul is really building upon something significant, but before he fully transitions, and he's going to get really practical in the coming weeks. If, if one of your complaints is that, well, this has felt very unpractical, like impractical, like I can't, uh, this is not very uh, helpful for everyday life necessarily, we're going to get there. And then you're going to wish that we could go back to like the, <laughs> the place where we're just dreaming and sitting in a reality, right? But, but throughout this first section, Paul has been igniting our imaginations, helping us to recognize and embrace the gift of the church. Like Paul is helping us to see this is a beautiful gift if done well, if if lived well, the church is a beautiful gift. And he's going to elaborate in detail in the coming chapters how we live out these things and in these ways in community, but he's not pushing or shoving through the door quite yet. I love this image that fully inspired by Peterson. There's this image that Paul lingers here. He's about to go through from one room to another, but he's lingering here. And he's pondering the intricacies involved in becoming mature in Christ. He recognizes maybe how hard this is, maybe what it is going to demand or, or, or imply from us. And he's maybe questioning or, or contemplating that, that we're growing up with others who were in the company of those who are also growing up, but we're also in the company of those who refuse to grow up or just haven't really, they're not really interested quite yet. And so if you're following, this section is like this beautiful transition that's easing us along so that we don't abruptly shift our attention from God to us and thereby we lose our distinctive 
church orientation. In other words, it's, it's head and body, Christ and church, and us in that order, okay? And so, you know, one of my fears with where we were going today is that, oh, this is a commercial. Now we're going to get to hear about all the needs of BFCN and all the, the ways that, that, that BFCN needs more participation. And here's, here's where I'll leave us with today. I'm not going to go all the way there because that's not what this is, truly. This is not a guilt trip. This is not meant to be like, we need help, and if you're not helping, you should feel terrible. That's not what this is. And to prove that, I'm not even going to go into all the details of, of all the needs that we as a congregation have. I'm also not going to lie about it, right? Like, we do have areas that, that have significant gaps, and, and sometimes it's overwhelming to think about, and, and, and you become a little bit fearful that you're going to burn people out, and then they're going to disappear, and it's just a lot, right? Like, I'm not going to pretend like we don't have needs as a church. There are lots of ways that we need people to serve and to help, but that's not what this is about. What I really want you to take away today is what is the Holy Spirit inviting me to do so that I can grow up in Christ and mature? That's what this is about. And if that leads you to participation in the church body, then that's great, but I want that to only be spirit-led. I want that to only come from the Holy Spirit. There's this invitation to sit in this tension, this reality that the Holy Spirit calls all of us to journey together and calls all of us to participate in the building of the body. But we lean on him to show us what that next step is. And so I'm going to invite the praise team to come. And as they come... I want you to just be thinking about that invitation, that, that asking the Holy Spirit, what is my next step? How are you calling me to grow and to mature? And as they come and as you begin to reflect and think on this, let me share this one last little kind of imagination of, of Eugene Peterson who says, we find ourselves among Christians of all ages and all stages of growth. We have toddlers who are not yet out of diapers. We have children who are innocent and pure in the discovery of what it means to be a child of God. In the church, you have adolescents who are, in turns, contagiously enthusiastic and then sullenly rebellious. In the church, you have young mothers and fathers who are struggling to come to terms with the demands and responsibilities of parenthood. In the church, you have midlifers who got distracted years ago by their job and their family, and now they're looking for what they've missed, and they're hoping it's not too late. And in the church, you have the elderly who are facing death in a culture that denies death and uses every ruse it can come up with to delay it medically and to avoid it emotionally. And he talks about, he goes on to talk about how he grew up in a church where grandiosity was this epidemic, right? He was just looking for authenticity for faithful men and women who were mature in the Lord, who grew up and could help him take on this identity for himself. That's what he wanted. And so I wonder which one of these images grabs you. 
Maybe one of those images really resonates with where you are spiritually. This wasn't meant to be literal, like where you're literally at in life. Maybe it is, but, but spiritually, which one resonates? And maybe that's where the Holy Spirit is inviting you to take notice. The invitation for us this morning is what's next? How is the Holy Spirit inviting you to grow up, to mature? Because you're missing out on this revelation that God wants to give And this is hard because this response is different for everyone. It's not one of those that I can really come up with like, well, maybe it's this or maybe it's that because it's going to be wildly different for everyone. But I have an incredible burden. I'm sensing, I know I'm I'm lingering in this moment. And it's truly because I have this incredible burden to see this body flourish. I don't want us to miss out on the revelation of God that he is offering to us. And so I really truly care about what your next step is in maturing. I want to pastor you through that. He has gifted me, as Paul said, and I believe it. I'm going to boast in what Christ has given me. It's not, please, you know me. It is not because of anything I've done. I constantly question myself and where I'm at and how I got here. But that's another story for another day. But I do believe that Christ has gifted me to shepherd and to guide and to pastor you into whatever that next step is. And so I want you to to reach out and, and say to me, this is what my next step might be. Maybe it is getting involved in a ministry here in the church. And that's great. That's practical and that's great. And that's a win win for everyone. But maybe it's, I need discipleship. I need someone to teach me what it looks like to grow up because no one ever did. I don't know what it looks like to be a mature Christian that's not always feeling defeated, overwhelmed, and discouraged and negative every moment of every day. I don't know what it is for you, but I am asking one thing. Would you commit to seeking the Spirit's guidance for your next step today? Would you do that? And would you trust in the revelation of God and the goodness that will come as you seek him wholeheartedly for your next step? God, we give you permission to invade our imaginations, to invite us to see what that next step is. God, we trust that you will make that clear and that you will walk with us. We trust, God, that you want to continue moving in amazing ways in our midst and that you're calling us to mature and to grow up and you're calling us to do this together. So God, help us to do that faithfully and we continue to lean on you and trust in you each and every step of the way. Amen. We're doing uh, this song for the first time. And I just want to lead you into this kind of headspace Um, We call this the response song or response time at the end of the service. It's just an opportunity. I just want to encourage you as we have these kind of routines that we do, and we might like lean into that as just kind of like, oh, we get up, we sing a song at the end. This is an opportunity for us to respond to the word that we've heard, the things that the Spirit is speaking to us. 
And so I just want to invite you to do that, whatever that looks like for you. It might look like not even singing. It might look like praying or coming to the altars, or it might look like just having that conversation with God. Um, it might be singing or just listening to the words and thinking about that. Um, and I will say, this song, at first glance, it might seem a little bit more appropriate for that first phase that we were talking about, um, that Pastor Nicole was explaining to us about sitting. But um, the truth is, you never graduate from one stage and move on to another. So I feel that this is really appropriate. Um, all three sitting, walking, and standing are happening simultaneously. And I love how Pastor Nicole emphasized that quote from Watchman Nee, saying that the sitting is happening in the heavenly places, and the walking is what we're, is happening here on earth. So we have that rootedness. It's a, just being rooted in that sitting place, and that's what enables us, and it inspires us to walk in the ways that she's been um, explaining to us. So even as we learn and put into practice this walking, we must always be intentionally rooted in sitting, which is that resting. And a big part of that is resting in who God is. So I don't want you to hear as we sing this song that um, like we're going backwards or that it in any way takes away from what Pastor Nicole is sharing from her heart about taking that step in maturity. But what I do want you to hear is that every step that we take is rooted in who God is and what that says about who we are, just like we prayed in the prayer this morning. So as we sing this song, we're going to be talking about who God is and what God does. And the truth is that our identity, when we pray our Father, right, we're his children. And that means that we are like him. We were made in his image. So when we sing about what God does and how that he's faithful and how that he's trustworthy and that he's working out things, we recognize that that's also what we are called to do. That's also what we do. So it's not about us, it's about him, but that's where that comes from. So I just want to invite you in this time, in this response time, to remind yourself of that rooted place of rest and sitting. And if you feel ready, also having an openness to how we begin to walk that out. So um, I love that Pastor Nicole started by saying we don't journey alone. We journey together, but also people fail us. But there is one who will never fail you. And he is with you. So when you're walking and when you're taking that step, if it's scary, you can stand. We're going to sing this together because that's what we're singing. He will never fail. So you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to hesitate. We can take those steps knowing that our big father in heaven He's got our back, and if we stumble or we start to fall, just like a good parent is going to reach down and grab that baby that's taking its first steps, we can trust that he's doing that for us. Amen? We can stand. We're going to sing that together.
of his spirit washed in his blood and what he did for me on Calvary is more than enough I trust in God my Savior the one who will Why I trust in God, my Savior. 
my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never one more time, Dave, if you would. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. Amen. Friends, I hope that as you leave today, I hope that you will be encouraged as God beckons all of us to take our next step, trusting in his presence and his guidance each step of the way, knowing that it's only him that sees us through. But I hope you know that you don't ever journey alone, that we're all growing up together. We're going through all the awkward growing up phases together, and it's beautiful, this gift we've been given, truly. It's a gift to be here with all of you. So as you prepare to go, May you go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior who is with you. May you know that you don't journey alone, that he is always with you, and that we are journeying together. So go in his peace. You are dismissed. Have a beautiful day.